0: Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun.
1: (sighs) Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances, with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions.
0: See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank
1: of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Great. There goes my towel.
1: The left wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. They were O'Driscoll, extra man is Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery and after a week in Southeast Asia, we're joined once again in studio by Luke Fitzgerald and I'm delighted to have in studio with us this week Leinster winger Fergus McFadden. Thanks so much for coming in, Fergus, and I guess it's been a pretty eventful couple of days in the rugby world. Ireland, unfortunately, lost out in the World Cup bidding to France, while for South Africa it was double misery. Not only did they lose out in the World Cup as well, but they got an absolute hiding at the Viva Stadium last weekend. Ireland won 38-3, so they're in a pretty bad place themselves.
0: Yeah, it probably wasn't a great week for them uh, on the rugby front, really. They came to Dublin and got spanked, uh, against a very good Irish side on Saturday and then obviously losing that World Cup bid after kind of being the supposed favourites a week ago. So, yeah, not a great week for him.
1: And I guess when you've been involved in a lot of Ireland camps as you have and, and been in and around the team, how do you experience the Ireland Test? Do you sit down and watch it like a fan or are you kind of looking at the players in your position hoping that maybe the team wins and they mightn't go as well?
0: <laughs> Option number two. <laughs> 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 Find out uh, Fergie. I don't know, obviously I'm competitive, but... Um, i be hoping that they'd win. I, I kind of haven't been in the Irish camps the last while through injury or for different reasons. But um, yeah, it was great to see some guys go, go really well. Personally, from, from guys I, I play with in Leinster, the likes of um, Reese Ruddock coming on and playing so well. Keen um, Healy kind of breaking back into the Irish team after um, a really tough few years with, with that neck injury that, that was um, causing him issues with his hand. And I think he's coming back into some of the, the mm-hmm. best form He's been in since maybe 2012, since he won that Hinding Cup. So, um, you know, seeing those guys go well was, um, was uh, really enjoyable, yeah.
1: And I guess when Ireland go up against South Africa, you know that the kicking game will probably be pretty key. So for the back three in particular, Joe would have been kind of draining them a lot that week and what to expect. Is that a particularly tough role when you're playing the Springboks?
0: Yeah, it usually would be. But um, I th- thought their kicking was really poor. Mm-hmm. I thought the yeah. timing of <clears> their <throat> kicks was poor. I thought the execution of their kicks was poor. And uh, traditionally, obviously, with Pienaar there, and um, with Tens like Lambie and a few of them in the past few years, and Stain, really, really good kickers. I, I don't know. Um, Yangchis was just had a, an off day. I think the the scrum half Cronje, another backs for the Golden Lions, they go quite well in, in the Super Fifteen. But um, I don't know whether it's staleness off the back of a bad Rugby Championship or what. But I thought they they were just completely outplayed by Conor Murray and and Johnny. I think you know on the flip side of it when Ireland were in the middle of the field and we weren't maybe going anywhere for three or four phases, yeah. would kick and kick well and mm-hmm. put pressure back on them. Um, whereas South Africa just kept uh, kind of um, running up their own arses. Uh, sorry. <laughs> You're okay, man. <laughs> <well. laughs> <laughs> I say that on radio. Uh, you know, or, you know um, running <laughs> up a dead alley um, in their attack a small bit. And when they kicked, I think it was summed up by the time in the in the first half when they were kind of still in the game They had it like a a three on two, and their twelve Delande just sliced the ball off the side of his foot rather than actually playing the three on two. So just those poor decisions killed them really in the end. And you know, uh, you said the kicking battle is huge against South Africa. Usually it is, but I just don't think they really brought much of a threat on that front.
2: It's like it's a weird thing because obviously the pack you expect a South African pack and their kicking to usually be really really good, exactly as as Fergie said. Like it's they usually have these unbelievable kickers, you know. When you look at guys who aren't playing there anymore, who probably should be playing international rugby for them, uh, you know, and even a and a guy who, you know, just completely retired out of the blue, he's a superb kicker of, of a ball as well. So, um, And a Willie LaRue, he's a lovely kicker of, of, of a rugby ball. So, like, there's, you know, these guys, it, it, those kind of things, if, th- if that's not going well and you wonder why, like, I mean, their pack is still should be very, very competitive. But they weren't very competitive. And I think exactly what Ferg said there, like, when Ireland weren't going anywhere, they kicked really, really well and and the converse for for South Africa, they didn't do that and I think that feeds into all your play. It creates a lot of uncertainty. It means your pack can't really get into the game, can't get front football and I think it fed into so many parts of the game. I don't know if you feel that for you. I mean, I know we've been really lucky in, in terms of playing with guys like you know, own red, and Owen even Luke McGrath looks like he's really coming on there as well. Uh, and Johnny Sexton, um, you know, even Ian Madigan when he was in Leinster, we play with guys who are really good kickers of the ball. Um, and it makes a huge difference to, you know, especially if things aren't going well for you and you're you're saying, Oh, just we're you know, we've you know, ten or eleven phases, we're going nowhere. But you have a good kick and all of a sudden you get momentum again. It's it kind of feeds into all
0: your game, I think. I don't know. Do you do you think that, Fergie? your? Yeah, I think that um traditionally the South Africans have always come with A really really big team and and a a really kind of physically dominant pack and uh, on the back of that they'd have two good kickers in their halfbacks but they had the big pack but they didn't really turn up physically I know uh, in Mm. fairness Ireland were um, extremely impressive at shutting them down and winning a lot of those collisions but I think the first 10 or 15 minutes we had two scrum penalties I really didn't see that that coming Um, you know, it was huge uh, to to see the dominance there for us. And once we had that the set piece, and their halfbacks were were kicking so badly when they weren't getting over the gain line, it was it was always going to be a long day at the office for them
2: Didn't help their tight head like that was a, a superb hit by Johnny and. uh uh, and Bundy Aki, I mean that's yeah. using your tight head that early game as two well. Minutes. Yeah, I mean look, I, I do t- I still feel like Ireland's scrum is like is one of the best in the world. You know, I mean you look at you got guys like Keane Healy, you know Kilcoyne obviously on the bench in the weekend, but Jack McGrath's usually usually there, um, you know, and you've got Ty Furlong, who I think is probably uh, probably the best tight head in the world uh, at the moment for me. I just think his whole game, and obviously that that was the last little bit. We we would have watched you. Obviously, it's harder for, for you to comment, but I think you know that was the area where Ty. We were all kind of waiting for that part of his game. It kind of comes with time usually, but like he's only twenty five, I think today, and that was the part of the game we were all waiting for him to be really good at because he had everything else. Like he's a brilliant ball player, great tackler, brilliant around the pitch, very smart. But that was the last little bit of the puzzle, and he looks like he's got that now. And I just think, um, like Ireland's front row is such a weapon for them. You know, mm-hmm. there's no team in the world you'd be worried, and it's such a nice thing to have. Uh, you know, as a back especially, you know, you drop a ball somewhere close to your, you know, in, in your half you're not going to give away a penalty, and you're not going to give away easy scores, easy pressure. Um, I, I think it's a real strength for the team now. And that was another area where it was great to see the lads go so well. Um, yeah, you know.
1: yeah, Fergus, what did you make of the back three's performance from an Ireland perspective? St- Jacob Stockdale, I think it was only his third cap maybe, Andrew Conway, I think same. How did you feel they went?
0: Yeah, I thought they went extremely well um, because you know, according to the papers and stuff, I think Keith Durews was due to start and uh, he had a bit of a, a hamstring issue. So I'm presuming that uh, Andrew Conroy probably had a shortened week in terms of preparation. He gets thrown in there for probably the biggest game of his career. You know, uh, starting for Ireland on the right wing against South Africa, and uh, he was one of the standout players, not just one of the standout backs. And um, I thought Stockdale was pretty quiet in the first half, probably be- mainly because not not much went down his wing in in terms of you know defensive uh, work or anything in attack. It was, it was mainly going down the right wing for, for Andy Conway. But I think the second half, he kind of showcased himself very well. I think that um, the timing of his run inside Johnny for that beautiful um, uh, inside trail pass. And then, you know, he sh- he showed nice hands to, to put uh, Conway into space also down the right wing. And, and he took his try very well. He's, yeah. He's got a long, rangy stride. He doesn't really look he's like... He's huge. He's 6'5". Yeah, he doesn't is look he like five, he's, he? he's, uh, f- he's really flying when he's mm. sprinting, but he's just he's got such a long stride that he covers the ground very, very quickly. And I thought there were you know, not just two of the standout backs, but two of the standout players, really.
1: Yeah, I'd be mm. interested to get both your opinions mm. on Andrew Conway because you both played with him, obviously. And I heard Brian O'Driscoll talking last week, and I thought he made an interesting point that I agree with because I remember him coming out of school and people thought the way he played in school that he might be like you know, playing for Ireland one day, but maybe more like a Damien McKenzie because he had such quick feet and he used to beat mm-hmm. players for fun. And now he's developed into maybe a more, I guess, traditional wing that, you know, he's really good in the air now. He, he tackles well, but he maybe doesn't have those explosive bursts that he had when he was in school, but he's still quite an effective player. I don't know what you think about that.
2: Yeah, well, see, I, I would have thought coming out of school, the one concern with him was probably that he wasn't a very big guy, yeah. you know, a um, fantastic footwear, kind of like in the Damien McKenzie mould, uh, mold, you know, and I think um, it's difficult to be in that mould up here. I mean, Shane Williams was a guy who was in that mould and he had his flaws, you know. He, he was obviously, you know, defensively, he probably struggled um, and in the air, he struggled. But, um, you know, I suppose he added so much in that he was like an almost another playmaker for Wales. He was never going to be dropped because obviously an electric finisher, you know. Um, but the game's kind of moved on and it's more difficult for... Like, the game is really, really tight. I think you can't really judge by... Like, New Zealand standards and the t- and the type of play down there. Like, you get lots more... From, from what I can see, they provide probably better ball and there's more threats across the pitch. So you usually get more one-on-ones in a team like that. So I think it's hard to make the comparison... With them for that reason, I think he'll always get more one-on-one opportunities than you will up here. Um, off the back of that, just for some of those reasons. But I, I think what Andrew's brought to his game and what's been really impressive for me is. Like he is really solid in the air. It's a base requirement up here. I think if you want to be a complete player, and I always think everyone, and for you'll know this as well, you always want to be a complete player. And I think uh, what I like about Andrew is that I think defensively he looks like he's really improved a huge amount. Um, and I think his kicking game is really good. He, he's been a really he's been a stalwart for, for for Munster the last couple of years, especially since Felix uh, Phoenix Jones ret- ret- retired. So. I, like I, I'm really really impressed with his uh, development and it was great to see him get rewarded with, it, with an opportunity in the Irish team and um, I thought he went really really well so it was great to see that and like I said it's good to see him advance and, and to become almost like a complete writer I still think he has that, that ability to be a guy in, in a kind of phone box well, um, it, it was funny when yeah.
1: Brian went up to school I was talking about that story he said that before the Heineken Cup final 2009 him and Brendan Macken came in for a training session Oh they shredded us yeah, yeah <laughs> Is that way, how you remember it as well?
2: Yeah absolutely uh, I mean look they were, they're were they both uh, extremely talented guys um, you know and they both had fantastic footwork and you know you come into those setups and it's like it's like a first kind of season thing you know you catch guys off guard um, and look they both had that still like going forward but the, the key thing for, for people coming in and young guys coming in it's easy to develop those things when you're a young guy because I don't think you get ex- as exposed as, as much defensively those but if you haven't got those things and they're always the last string I think to your bow when you come in out of school is to get is to be smart enough to be in the, in the right positions um also the commitment and tackling bigger guys I mean pretty much everyone you play against was that superstar in school when you get to the top level you know everyone is like I mean you look at a Fergie you look at a Rob Carney you look at um, who's coming in at like Gary Ringrose all these guys even uh, Brian O'Driscoll Gordon Darcy you're playing against all those guys who were the best so you have to then Bring up your game, and from school, I think there—that's the learning curve. And I think, um, it looks like Andrew ha- has gotten that learning curve. Now he's in a really good place and comfortable with his game. And for a small guy, he's outstanding in the air. Um, I'm I'm always really impressed with how good he is there for Munster. And uh, obviously, Joe is is a big fan of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it's interesting in your <clears throat> situation at the moment for you. Kind of you're battling against the next generation of players at Leinster. Uh, like, do you see them just as rivals? do You also have to strike a balance of maybe kind of mentoring them as well. Or how do you see it at the moment?
0: um i i kind of don't really see them as i'm like even when me and luke were um competing together uh for, for wing spots back in the day uh, obviously he was extremely competitive on the field during training but we going for coffees and lunches together. Like I don't really look. I'm not really that, that type of. Ferg was like some... feeding me scones. Like the last couple of years, that was why I put on all the kilos. I'm telling you, he's a sneaky devil.
2: I'm <laughs> putting all yeah. those kilos down, on me my friend. <laughs> the rivalry, so really, it it uh, it came. It, I suppose transpo- it the way it kind of showed showcased. I think it was in those little things, little edges. <laughs> so you don't mind being kind of friends with your <laughs> yeah. Well, no, nah, it's
0: well, listen. I'm not always best friends with all the wingers, but I'm very good friends with, with a lot of them. Yeah. Um I think. Obviously, there's an element of uh, the likes of Jordan Lamar coming through, who is going to be an outstanding talent. And I'd like to think I've got a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience that I can pass down to him. And of course, um, mentoring is one way of putting it. But, you know, even just giving him little nuggets that uh, I might think might help him, uh, stuff that he maybe could work on in training or that happen, scenarios that have happened to him in games. But um. No, he's certainly a star for the future. That's uh, that's a fact. They
2: should be doing that though. But they should be they should be seeking the guys out because I think especially when you're competing, it's very hard to go like you I mean you look you can give someone the option but it can it can come across as kind of condescending so it's on guys like Jordan and more to, to pick someone like Ferg's brain who's been playing top class rugby for for 10 years you know and i think uh, to, to to cover that kind of learning curve area that i was talking about you look at say when like Ferg comes back in for for the Glasgow game and and how good the defense looked um against what is an unbelievable Glasgow back three in that game like that's what those guys. That's the last little bit for those guys. You look at Ferg's position, You look at his timing when he's coming in, when he's cutting off passes, when he's when he's tackling the right guys at the right time. That they're the things those guys should be seeking. Uh, people like that out, you know. And I think um, it, while it's you know Ferg, I'm sure is uh, you know as most you know guys who are kind of senior in the squad would be very forthcoming with information. I do think some of that kind of is actually you know you have to obviously be open to the possibility and be a nice guy and be approachable, but. It's on the younger guys to go and seek the information. I think it's actually very important to do that. Do you did you find that when you were coming in as yeah, a, as I a think, young lad? Yeah, I
0: think the best the best teams I've I've played in, um, have you've always had the old some of the older, more experienced mm. guys um uh being very um generous with their knowledge mm. and just just talking through different scenarios. You remember Drico and, and, and yeah. Doris would have been always talking mm. up in meetings, even on the pitch and um you, know, you just can't put a value on that. There's some, no. some great coaches out there. Joe, you know, unbelievable coach along with lots of others. But guys that have been there and done that on the field in the biggest games, um, you just can't put a, a value on that type of advice. And um, going back to, to my point of the best teams that I've played in, you know, spreading that knowledge. It's about openness amongst each other. There's a competitive nature where it's fierce once training is on and you want to get that starting berth. Everyone does. But, in the interim, you're all adding indif- as much you can off the field to try and put for the betterment of the team, I suppose.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a good point because, like, they are the guys that are, like, I mean, Gordon Darcy for me was a guy I just sponged off. You just, you could watch that guy's positioning defensively all the time, you know, and he was a guy I learned a huge amount from and he was, like, kind of a, obviously everyone would, if you play with the guy, you'd understand, like, when he was on, when he was on his game, defensively, like, you just never put a foot wrong. And part of it was because he was fantastic footwork, uh, and, and a low center of gravity he could turn con kind of on a sixpence but like his positioning and, and the way he was able to cover different people um and make everyone else's job easier I was in your 5 foot 2 yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> can't give him too much yeah. <laughs> but like those guys are really important to sponge off for the young lads
1: and um, would it be collaborative between players of like the same age as well it's not just guys i say younger people seeking out the older players would you be also talking to players of your own age and kind of so you two for instance would have played, been in around the same age playing similar positions would you have ever kind of shared things together or was it kind yeah. of more of
2: a we had to talk through a lot of scenarios you know mm. and you kind of get that because you're in meetings kind of talking through stuff anyway um, and it's always good to hear like the the best environments I've always been in is where like obviously everyone has to roll into the person who's making the decision at the end and we're all accepting that that's the way we're going to go. But before that, it's always great to get different people's opinions on how different things have gone, why they've gone wrong, maybe why they've gone, why they've gone good, you know? And I think Ferg was always a guy who was very forthcoming with information. I would like to think that they couldn't shut me up in there. Probably bad thing. Uh, (laughs) uh, Nothing's changed. Still talking crap. Uh, But, uh, you know you'd always like to think that, that you, as long as you're listening to the guys you learn a huge amount from how everyone else sees the game uh, and that's really important to have in your environments to have the senior guys and some of the younger guys go well look this is what I'm finding here I'm, I'm out of position here I feel like this is why that's going wrong Did you do? You, I, I found like, especially when Lens were really purring and it's probably coming back to a bit of that now mm. but when Lens were really purring there was loads of guys coming up with different ideas um, and, and having different views on different things and I actually think it really adds to your rugby IQ
0: do you think the same I, Fergie? I think what, what, what um, what would sum it up for me was uh, um, kind of back sessions we would have previously had where um, say a back a start the starting team is picked on a Tuesday but then you're, you're going to run moves and, and train away on <coughs> Thursday as well when those back lines um, trained against each other in the units um, you know whether you were starting or, or someone else was starting I could have been gutted maybe in the second team I was on the bench but I'm defending you guys just you saying to me or vice versa, you know, how did you feel my line was on that? Or mm. what should I have done differently? Or, you know, did you feel exposed when I ran that, you know, that line yeah, in that way? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, that's when you're getting the most out of your units and, and the likes of your backs and forwards. When there's fierce competition, but there's also, um, it's a level of respect, I suppose, as well, where you just across the board, you want to give as much info um, to guys for the betterment of the team. Yeah,
1: I guess that's something I'd say. Joe Schmidt is probably pretty big on the guys, as Fergus said. There, even if you're not on the starting team, you're still
2: contributing a whole lot if you're helping prepare the team as best you can. That's a big, that's a big part of it. You know, it's not just Joe that does that. I mean, every coach was very open to that stuff. You know, and I think like Joe would be a guy who's probably a bit firmer on, like, kind of his point of view on it. And, and and to be fair, he's usually right, which is a pain. In the which is a pain in the hole if you like to, mm. if you like to offer opinions all the time. But he, in fairness, he's so good that you're kind of like. Yeah, look, he, he says something and it's just like, look, that's it, done. And that's what we're going to do. And um, and half of it is actually just getting people to do that anyway. Like, I mean, you'll know, like a lot of scenarios are, like if you have buy-in and everyone's kind of doing the same thing, it is, actually is usually quite hard to break a team down that way, uh, regardless of how good the move is. And... Um, so like he would probably be more of that mode. But other coaches like a uh, Acheca, Knox, uh, Matt O'Connor, there would have been a lot of discussion uh, from those guys and, and amongst players during those things. And I think there's still like to, to touch on that like with your opposite number, there's a huge amount of that. Like there's a I know myself and Ferg, like like regardless of who was playing, we always had a great like line of communication, especially when you're doing kind of moves and different things, you say, Well look exactly what Ferg was saying. Like, what do you think of that? Do you think that was that hard to defend? Could I have done that better? Um, you know, what's a better line? Do you, what, what do you think was harder to defend? Loads of things like that. So different coaches will, to, to, to answer your question, different coaches will act different way. Joe will probably be a bit more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> probably a bit firmer on, on, on his way of doing things. And um, not, nothing wrong with that. That's the way of doing it. But um, other coaches will be, like he might listen to a Dricko or someone. Hmm. would you think Dricko like, probably would be and in fairness Dricko obviously excellent and and, and defender at the top level and brilliant defender for years so like you're kind of listening to those guys um, Ferris even so. shut Dricko down a few <laughs> he times he did shut him yeah <laughs> which, is enjoy- which is enjoyable <laughs> he was ever. kind of renowned <laughs> for sorry renowned for, uh, for kind Any, of uh, fellas down. I'd
1: love to hear a specific story
2: of Joe Schmidt cutting prior Driscoll down to <laughs> 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 <the> size <laughs> well the first one the first like it's kind of it's kind of out there the first uh, well not his first one we we're about four or five games in I think we were playing Cardiff I think it was and um it wasn't in a defensive scenario, but it was in an attack, and someone threw Drico an absolute daisy cutter of a pass. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Drico drops it like it, you know, it was kind of a slippy day, whatever. It was a really hard one to take and um, Joe was kind of we were all kind of finding our feet around him like geez he you know, runs really good trend sessions he's fairly firm on things and Dricko ends up saying something about this uh, I don't know he's, he's had a few like, kind of uh, bits in a meeting and he's talking away and then it comes to this clip Joe's picked out this clip uh, you know with Dricko dropping a pass <laughs> and uh, he just you know t- to the group kind of flippantly says yeah Dricko good players take those <laughs> and <laughs> And just stop and turn back to the footage, but the whole room just kind of collective gasp. You know, I was like, "Jesus, <laughs> like who is this guy?" And uh, like, it was a great way to set, set out the stall. Uh, like whether it was preplanned or not, I don't think it was because Dricko was fairly. Jesus, like that hasn't happened to me in ten years here. You know?
0: <laughs> but uh, that was the
2: best one, wasn't it? And yeah. It came. It became a bit of a saying for guys it was like good players take those, you know. And it was. Uh, I I thought. I mean, I thought it was great as a guy who was kind of not one of the senior guys mm. to see the, the the best player in the room, you know, be. You know, uh, no, obviously it was pretty unfair at the time, but it was a good <laughs> s- stall to set out, I think. Did you think the same, Fergie, at the time?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it was, it was Joe's point um, secretly was definitely to try and um, say to the group, everyone is equal in this room. And I think when you have that amongst a group of players uh, and everyone thinks they're fighting, um, starting from an equal playing field, from a new coach coming in, you're going in the right direction. So I think that's what he was trying to do there with that one.
1: Mm-hmm. And just for your own situation at the moment, obviously there was... I guess you had an injury hit season last year and a lot of the young wings got a lot of publicity for how well they were playing. And then there was a, a great moment for you personally against Wasp when you came off the bench, scored that try, that great photo. It was almost as if you were kind of tra- telling people that you're still around, like, don't forget about me. Was that a good moment for you?
0: Yeah, that was that was a really nice moment. Um, can't really tell you how good that one felt. It just, it was it. The injury that I had was like a five-month injury. So it was, I've had some bad ones, but that was probably the longest stint I've had right in the middle of the season I've had a few that have kind of um, floated into the, or been part of pre-season as well so I wasn't actually missing games but this was a really tough one because um, I had this quad injury that was extremely bad it was like a grade 3 uh, tear which is almost tearing the, the muscle off the bone and then this new coach comes in uh, the same week and the team starts motoring starts beating teams like Montpellier by 40 points and and obviously there's there's younger guys getting opportunities and but to be honest with you that's that's how um things have presented themselves in leinster in the past kind of 12 months i think in any position i think you look at yeah. jamie Heaslip um is uh when he's gone and, and jamie's playing game after game back in the you know two or three seasons ago you go there's no one that can come near jamie's level and I've um, no doubt Jamie will get back to that level again. But at the moment, you got Jack Conan who stepped into his shoes and has, has done an outstanding job. Um, you know, arguably, arguably as good as, as Jamie would be doing himself. So, um, but and that competition is right across the board. You got back rowers like Dan Levy, who um, he's a player, he's, isn't he? Yeah, it was, yeah he's super, super, and and Jordy Murphy. Mm. Like people, he's kind of the forgotten man, a small bit. Mm. Um, like he he's won Six Nations titles himself. Uh, he's he's played in in uh, Joe Schmidt Leinster teams that have won trophies. He has so much experience, but he can't get into the, the Leinster team at the moment. So it's you know it's it's just it's fierce competition. Um, and uh, yeah, for me last year, going back to your point, um, that was definitely um, you know a moment where I was I was just delighted to be back contributing to, the, to a team that was going so well. And I felt you know when you're injured you're still in the squad training but you're kind of training in in your own little world all the lads are having their crack on the field and they're doing all their sessions in the in the gym together and you're with the um the s and c guys uh, working on your rehab isolated away in your own little world it's it's not easy you know it it isn't easy that's the side of the game where people think oh you're you guys are lucky and we are lucky playing a game we love but they're the sides where it's like really tough days so Mm. to come back from that and scoring on a huge occasion last year like that last year was was definitely one of the highlights of the year for me.
1: Is it a bit frustrating? I guess if you're a back three player and like this, the the day you turn thirty, pretty much people are already kind of counting. More so than any other position, I think, kind of counting the days until you're basically retired, and they're already looking to the it next. It seems young to,
2: it's the case with the wing, with wingers. Yeah, it? like it just it's such a like. I mean, Issa is just a freak. Like he's and mm. he was able to go away, not play for like two years, and come back and play in the outside backs. But because you're so kind of reliant on. Like and and I think as well, it'll, it'll probably be a case where I think even that position will be extended out. I think it's going to get extended. I think you know when you look at all the positions, you look at like second rows. You look at lots of guys are going to be in better shape. I think for for longer, um, mm. and I think that's going to be one of the ones that will catch people out because traditionally you're like. Do you know, what, Back in the day, it was like, you know, you hit a certain point, people were like, ah, I can't play, can't play in the wing anymore. But I think athletes will be better, you know. Um, But it is an interesting one that you say that. Yeah,
1: you know, a, that's something yeah. you noticed, especially when the young players were coming in and doing well, people were almost like, oh, he's in his 30s now, like,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I remember, like, when I first, when I was getting my first few games for Leinster in, like, 2007, I would have been around 21. So... um. You know, leading up through the years, I never would have looked at Shaggy and gone, "Oh, he's 30, He's gonna, but I would have looked at him, thinking he's an older guy, and you never think you're going to get to that point. You know, I still my mentally and and all the rest. I still definitely five year old. I still feel very young. Um, you know, uh, amongst all the lads and that. But obviously, physically, when once time goes on, playing the game for ten years, you get to thirty in the lifetime. Um, of an outside back is shorter than a front rower that's just a fact you're you're mm. um reliant more on gas and other things but for me thankfully at the moment my numbers are as high as they've ever been in terms of fitness and all the rest so uh, aside from a couple of niggly injuries um which have been holding me back um thankfully my my body's actually a great place but I'd actually have uh, have a different view on 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 that one than you in terms of Going forward, I think that you can get shorter. I think that I think the lifetime of all the positions is getting shorter. I just think, oh, as a general rule, like well, I just think yeah. that the, the one, the collisions, um, and two, just the amount of competition. I think that it's yeah. it's just so hard for, for uh, older guys to stop this conveyor belt of, of talent breaking in, you know. Mm. And, and the to, numbers will back
2: you up 100% that the, the career mm. is, is definitely shorter. I, I suppose mm. I, I have a feeling that you might be you might break in later. That's mm. what I think. I think you might break in later, but you might be able to go on longer. Like, I, I remember, like, you look at, because the, the, the <coughs> generation before us were the first guys, I think, who were really, like, superb athletes, you know, training properly, eating properly, all all the kind of works. And I remember, like, it was the luckiest thing ever for, for us, really, was that Dennis Hickey retired at mm. 31. But he re- probably retired in the best shape he'd ever been in you know he was in um umbe- like he could just, have played for another couple of years he easily at, could at have played top. for and i remember thinking at the time and i remember seeing like guys like shaggy like i mean obviously he struggled a little bit with his knees at the end um shaggy but he was an unbelievable nick until the end and if it wasn't for his knees he probably would have gone on you know yeah. um and, and I, that's kind of that was kind of what i was getting at i think I, you're like the numbers are 100% say that like and you look at like nfl which is probably the athletes will never get that way because it's because it's a fitness-based game as well. Like, I mean, they come in for two or three plays and you can swap out. It's, that's all power. But, like, because it's fitness, you'll never get as heavy. The collisions will probably never be as big. But the careers will definitely... Like, they'll come more in line with NFL, I think, won't they? That'll be my view on it. I think yeah, with the tackling I, and that.
0: I think so. I think with yeah. the, the lifetime of careers, it's, it, it can only be, be getting smaller. You know, mm. with the the level of the collisions, the, the defensive... Um, structures that are in place where it's just so hard to break top test team, top club teams down that mm. just means there's so many more carries, so many more tackles and all that adds up to your your body being put under a lot more pressure over the years. Mm. So we'll see. But um, I mean, it's just interesting because like, I suppose when, when me and Luke, Luke first first broke into Leinster, it was, um, there was a saying that uh, if uh, you're good enough, you're old enough. The Czech used to say that. But, he didn't actually. He didn't, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. actually stick by it. Yeah. You, know, like, you know, he, he gave. Yeah, but bar Luke and Rob Kearney, um, he he um, molded a, a really unbelievable culture in Leinster. Yeah. But he did it with some stal- stalwarts that have been there for a while, and some new guys, and some imports from from abroad. He didn't actually give that many young guys, bar yourself and Rob. Yeah. And that and was me, probably more he, he and and Sean O'Brien, there wasn't this, but even there even Shawnee la- and Keane were a little bit late, weren't they? Like yeah, they, they it took like, them a little bit longer. They like would have broken in anywhere else much earlier, and that because yeah, we even
2: brought in Oz uh, or sorry Ali Larou. Like, do yeah. you know what I mean? And, and it, c-
0: that, it was part of Czech's yeah. culture of earn your stripes, you know, and yeah. you gotta respect them for that. But these days, you just see guys breaking in straight away. You know, guys are breaking in, um, getting their first caps. Um, you know, a year after mm. coming out of school. And I just think that. Um,
1: is that a good thing? Is it too soon? Do you, like, should there be an apprenticeship
2: served a bit longer? How do you feel about it? Hard to know, isn't it? You don't want to miss a window. Yeah. It's too hard to miss. Like, you know, if you don't, if you like, there, at some point, you got to be exposed to the level. So you figure out how you need to get better. And it's like, it comes in, like that learning curve as well. Like, you need to figure out those things pretty quick so you can start working on them to get up to the level. And then, like, the next crop is coming out the year after you. Like, mm. so. You know, a lot of it as well. And you look at it and you see it all across. Like timing is a big thing. Like you can get very, very like unlucky coming out of school. I mean, there was a whole raft of really, really good players who, you know, especially in the center, like who came during Drico and Darcy's era, who just like never got a look in. Just and they could like and like obviously those guys were were streets ahead, but um like you don't you never know. If someone got an opportunity for a concerted period of time they Mightn't have had the, the same career, but like that's it. They're your windows, you can get a nookie coming in. Like, I, I always felt like I was a center, but there was no way I was ever going to get in ahead of those two guys. Yeah. And, and for you, came out of school as a center as well. Yeah. you know, it's kind of like you know, <laughs> you got to find a slot somewhere. But yeah. uh, we co- we probably came at a timing like probably wasn't the best time to be coming out, to be honest. Yeah,
1: what, what do you remember when you did kind of first come in and you did have like Shane Horgan, I think Dennis Sicki was there, Gervin Dempsey in the back, tr- but Andrew
2: Conway is a bit of a, a like he's a case in point there. Like, he came out when like there was internet, like international wingers who weren't getting. So, like, either mm. you know, whoever was there was like, there was me, there was you, uh, there was uh, who else was there? There was Shaggy, um, you know, you had Easton who played yeah. in most international teams, I the, I Rob Carney, Gervin Dempsey was there, like, yeah, had, like, no, there was guy after guy there, and even Dave Carney oh, more recently, you know, as well, yeah. like, guys like Andrew Conway come in, like, there's international guys who aren't getting even on the bench, do you know what I mean, or are on the bench kind of uh, like it's his timing couldn't have been more I suppose like a a better picture or a better example of that I think you know
0: yeah I think um his situation like I mean he was brave enough to move down to Munster which is not easy from Leinster but you know he had the 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 foresight to go I'm not getting enough game time here if I want to really further my career I need regular game time at provincial level and that's the the opportunities are are um going to you know, present themselves more down in Munster as but opposed to Leinster, and yeah. it was it was a brave move. exactly, yeah. Felix Jones yeah. ended up being um, a, a massive leader and uh, yeah. you know a massive player in in those Munster teams when he went down there. Yeah. So it just shows that, um, like, it's it's a fact that most the talent yeah. in uh, the the academies and particularly the Leinster academy c- comes out of the Leinster school system. You know, yeah. and I know, we got the youths and all the rest, but. Um, you've just got so many guys, so many quality guys. I just don't think that the monster schools or the Ulster schools, they're just not producing the, the, the same no, level. No, they don't
2: seem to be, yeah. Like, I mean, it seems to be a bit of a conveyor belt. And it's not just backs, it's forwards as well. Like, I mean, you look at Porter, these guys coming through. Like, there's loads of top-quality guys coming through. That, like, and like even a James Ryan more recently. Uh, you know, so, like, th- these guys... will the, the thing for these guys is now figuring out, like, do they back themselves and try and mm. stay um and, and try and work on things and try and try and impress their hope for an injury, hope for a retirement? Yeah. Or do they... Make the decision to go in there. Like I think it's going to be too many good
1: players in one team, in my opinion. At oh, at I, I, think like, I think you're absolutely right. There's yeah. probably three or four guys who would probably be best served moving well, to. I can't answer that question, but I'll, <laughs> I'll fire but well. But
0: another up. example is yeah. um, no, we're not going to delve that deep on it. But hmm. another example that you're just touching on what you just mentioned there, Lukey, is um, you you were talking with the Sanders about Gordon Darcy and Drico, but um, Tom Farrell, who is now playing for Connacht, yeah. um he so he left the the Leinster Academy had a few injuries. And he went over and played with, the, I think, a championship team in England and he got picked up by Connacht and he's been one of their outstanding backs so far this season. So if he had stayed in Leinster, he used to say he wouldn't be working in an office right now, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it just, it just could be like me. (laughs) for Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: (laughs) An absolute loser. (laughs) No, but like, it's such a good point you make, you know, and it's like, it's a hard thing. It's a, it's hard to go away from like, we have, we have a great setup here, like, you know, in Ireland, all the towns, like, because there's no other professional team. So, you know, it's a great lifestyle to have and you're with all your friends, all your family. Um, you know, it's a hard decision to, to uproot yourself and to move somewhere and make a brave decision to go. But I think that, that has to be on the horizon for a lot of guys. You look at a lot of careers who just slip by and you end up being a guy who's all like almost there, can can do, go really well in training, can have a few but you know, is only ever, ever really gonna get, you know, um some league appearances maybe, you know, in, in some of the lesser known fixtures when they're resting guys for bigger games. So like you you gotta find a balance here and, and it, it's a brave thing to do.
0: Look yeah. at Ian Whitten as well. Like yeah, he's another yeah, example. yeah he's he he didn't, didn't like, he's an he's unbelievable. He's an absolute Ulster, stalwart over there. In breakthrough in Ulster. Um, Steenson and, and Whitten, like running
1: Exeter, like, you yeah. know, two Ulster lads who, who never really made yeah. it over here.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, a lot of players just need exposure at that top level <coughs> for for not just one game, like four or five games. You know, it's yeah. very hard to go in with the nerves and all the rest, the build-up, yeah. coming out of a school system um, and going up through the age ranks to be expected to really, really impress over one or two two games. You kind of need four or five games here, used to the tempo, the physicality, and you know you guys need them in a
2: row as well, don't you? Need you? Like you need of, a, yeah. and
0: you need a good run. You need like half a season somewhere,
2: don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like to well, really grow into a position. You feel that, Fergie? Well, for your own situation, there's actually one
1: specific game I wanted to ask you about. Over the course of your career, going back, you know, I think it's maybe the 2010-11 season. I think you'd had some appearances in big games, but there was an away game in Claremont. I think that you ended up starting along with Ole O'Malley, maybe it might have been one or two injuries and they go Driscoll and someone else. Dominic Ryan, possibly one of your first really big games starting. I don't know if if you looking back, you think that's one of the big games that kind of got you into the team and kind of got you a a bigger foothold maybe
0: in in the setup? Yeah, definitely. But I think that back to my point about he I would have got a lot of game time with him in the Magnus League, so the equivalent of the now Pro 14. Lots of game time there, filling guys' boots when they're in the Six Nations squad, etc. But I never played any any um, Heineken Cup for the first like two or three years of of um, my Leinster career. So um, I got the opportunity on the wing uh, under Joe to play in that yeah away game against Claremont, which you know was you know still is one of the toughest places to go in Europe. And uh, we played really well that day, and we're probably un- unlucky not to come away with more than a losing bonus point with kind of an understrength team. Yeah. So, Lots of yeah, goals,
1: Was I mean, it kind of a situation going into it? You were like, I need to take this chance because I mightn't necessarily get another one in a really big game.
0: To, to be honest with you, it actually wasn't really. It was more uh, practising my high ball catches during the week because I hadn't played much winger. The, the, I'd only played um, wing at that level um, the week before against the Scarlets in, in a Magda's League game. In in Obviously, Joe was, was doing that in preparation to play me on the wing against Claremont. But... You know, I played with Ga and stuff, but at my positioning and stuff, I didn't know that much about playing on the wing, so it was kind of get thrown, I got thrown in the deep end a small bit, but it was great, you know, I was to get the get the opportunity and um, obviously with Doris Stricko there and the, the level of competition in the centre, uh, after playing well in that game, I just, the opportunities present themselves on the wing and end up getting capped for Ireland on the wing and you know, most of my professional career has been there since really.
1: Yeah, it's funny how you didn't really see yourself as a wing. Like now, are you, are you... no one does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but yeah, pushed <laughs> out slowly. Yeah. Sorry, I was mate, initially yeah. a ten back in school, <laughs> yeah. slowly but yeah. surely in the yeah. centre. Well, it's so hit, hit the hit the wing. You saw <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. yourself as centres yeah. and
2: finish with yeah. wingers.
0: It's not yeah. quite like you're in goals, but it's not far off really. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. The last one selected
1: doing the kind of the rivalry you had or the different positions both play. I wanted to. About the 2011 World Cup selection, where it was basically Fergus picked over you. Yeah, it was. Was that uh, like if you were, you're, I
2: guess you were friends? Was and I've, that a I've never forgiven him for it. <laughs> I've never, for, no, but it's the first time he talked to me,
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, yeah, look, in, like I said, we were always, we always got on great off the pitch anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, look, at the end of the day, like I was never pissed off. I don't think it was necessarily. Uh, I don't know if it was either because he had, he had a few you guys. Had like Andrew
0: Trimble and a few other guys yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of guys. So, uh, I was. Well, I
1: just remember at the time it was built as
0: it he was, was he it was. But
2: there was Felix Jones definitely. was probably going ahead of Felix both. Jones. Was probably at that point I would say like, and then he got injured. I think was it in the last game or in the second last game or something.
0: Like he was, like he was playing
2: was really, game. really well. Um, game, yeah. And then. Um, yeah, like there was a lot of guys who who I was like, yeah, I was, you know, you, you always feel like you want to you be in the team and mm. uh, you should be in the team. It's the, the only natural. And my I wasn't pissed off at anyone else bar Decky. You know? <laughs> like that's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's yeah. um, the I coach for we, we
0: were texting each yeah. other before uh, hmm. obviously everyone left and everything. And it's sure I've been in that position as well. Yeah. I was in yeah, that yeah, position. Yeah. Yeah. In 2015. On the flip side of it, you thought I wasn't. So we're we're back friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that—that's
2: exactly what it is, though. That's how it ends up being. You know, it's. uh, And I think as well, like it. You know, most guys are obviously you're disappointed. You're training against each other and training during the week if you're in Irish camp, and you want to show you want to show that you feel like you should be in the team. You train really hard, but once you leave all that aside, like and you and you Mm. and you do need some time alone afterwards because you're disappointed. and you don't want that to reflect badly on the group, yeah. and also you want to take some time for yourself, but always you're disappointed with the coach. Like yeah, the guy, unfortunately you, are, can't, you
0: can't, the one thing you can't control hmm. is someone else's decisions, and yeah. the main decision maker in a rugby team is is yeah. the coach. All you can do is train your arse off, um, yeah. try to play as well as possible when the games come round, but at the end of the day, it has to be silly pick. to be like everyone there is trying to
2: get in the team. Yeah, sure. Do you know that kind of way? Like I, I, was funny, and I, I, I never really got. There was I was never really just a, on a personal. Note, I was never really like you know guys who were getting picked ahead of me quite consistently. Guys like Keith Earls, one of the guys I'd probably be friendliest. Um, you know, from from one of the other setups, and you know, I just always felt like it's not, it's not his fault he's getting picked ahead of me. Like. Mm. He wants to play just as much as I do. Uh, is, I always felt it was Joe's is it, a, <laughs> is it a strange
1: kind of feeling when, I, I suppose, there's a big squad selection like a World Cup or a Six Nations, and obviously personally you want to be in the team, but this is being played out on a, on a national scale. Now everyone's really interested. It's a big story in the media. It's like, you know, will you be picked? Will you be picked? Is it, do you detach yourself from that, or are you aware that how much coverage this is getting is at the same time?
0: I think back in back in the likes of a 2011, there wasn't near as much coverage. There wasn't this interactive. There wasn't the rugby forums yeah. there is with social all media, with yeah. the, me- the social media. There wasn't even I don't know if Twitter even existed. Maybe it just started at that stage, but these days there's an opinion about everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. And when for these big competitions come around, um, you know, everyone has their opinion and it is hard to get away from it. I don't read um like any re- rugby stuff to be honest with you, and that's just the truth. But inevitably my father's going to say something to me. Like, oh, yeah. Or someone's going to say... <laughs> it's their you know, condition. Or I go down to the, yeah, yeah, exactly. They've, they've got that condition. But, yeah. you know, or you go down to the shop and some fellow goes, oh, Jesus, did you see what your man's throwing at you? And you're kind of like, oh, is that a good thing? <laughs> oh, or yeah. Is that another bad thing? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so it's almost impossible to get away from it. I think that you have to try and put up a barrier in whatever way it is. And my way is by not reading any of it, whether it's great or whether it's mm. shocking. So... Um, I don't know. Some guys like to read it and use it as as fuel to the fire, but. Um you no, know, personally, I, I just like to stay away from it. Really. It's funny to hear Tim was at the same
2: stuff as Des. Like, geez, did you see what Jerry Thorny wrote about <laughs> you in the weekend? I was like, no, I, I didn't see. But now, like, yeah. now I have to look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like it is funny. Like parents are because they're so invested in the whole thing as well. It's a real family thing, isn't it? Like it's funny. Like everyone, they must take it more. Oh, than you. like <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. They take it very personally, you know. But um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's look, it's it's such a great journey, isn't it? Like it just yeah. to go, like to touch on the family thing. Like it is, it's. It, you're so tied up in it. and it is great that the likes of like even the guys you're competing with myself and Ferg were competing for years and years um, that you're you're still great friends after it's a great testament to the game you know and I'm sure it's like that in, in a lot of other sports you probably have a few people who you know you don't get on with or whatever and, and, but uh, for, the, for the most part I think we've been very lucky with our group like we like everyone there are very friendly you know there's not, not a lot of people that, that you you know you wouldn't get on well with regardless of wh- whether you were competing or not you know and even guys from other teams you see them all the time um, you'll see it now when, when, when you retire for in, in, in a few years, like it's, it everyone is, you know, um, everyone's very friendly afterwards. Do you yeah. know, it's, it's actually re- it's a real nice community. I think so, regardless of how much you want to kill each other when you're playing or whether you're competing, um, you know, you, you always kind of settle that stuff and it ends up being a nice little fraternity. Yeah, yeah, you're always gonna have that bond, I suppose, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I like, think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a nice little spot to be in. Just to, to finish up back
1: and I suppose, the current Leinster team, you know, you got back in the team for the for the Champions Cup game against Glasgow a couple of weeks back. And just when you're kind of getting your foothold, now James Lowe comes over from New Zealand, another another competitor. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is that something you're excited about competing with or are you just kind of a little, ah, oh God, because
0: they just not have left it as it is. <laughs> oh, not really, to be honest. I, again, I, I don't really, that's out of my control. The, um, you know, I, I knew they were going to bring in an outside back after Zane Kirchner leaving, so... They brought in a quality player in James Lowe with a big reputation uh, down south. So um, I've no doubt he's going to add a lot to the group if he he stays fit and and continues in the vein of form he was in Mm. for the Chiefs. So it's for the betterment to Leinster. Like I back myself, I'll be in the team if I'm fit. So um, maybe he will as well, but uh, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and I'd like to get your opinion on Stuart Lancaster as well. Uh, We talked a bit about Joe Schmidt earlier and what he brings to the team. Or what he brings. Like, what have you, how have you found working with him? I know you got injured at the start of last season, so it was a bit kind of difficult to bet in. But now that you've kind of been under him for an extended period of time, what's he? What's he good at? What has he brought to the setup?
0: Um, yeah, I think he's he he just he's got a, a very good rugby brain. Um, he analyzes a, a lot of rugby. Um, I think he watches an awful lot of rugby um, trends and different teams, things that are working that aren't working. Um, similar to Joe, Joe's kind of level of analysis, um, but yeah, I think he's he's brought um, some uh, really strong weapons to our uh, unstructured attack. I think um, mm-hmm. the best teams, the likes of the Saracens and that, um, cl- club-wise, are are really good unstructured. You know, um, that's why they like to get into that kicking battle. That once a kick, um, once a poor kick. Um, Goes in against them, whether it's a box or a kick from ten, they just get straight into their structures and they, they punish you whether it's three or five points. So um, yeah, I think under Stewart is he, he's brought in drills that are that have been very good and effective in in bringing us on on that side of things when you know the power plays, the three four phase power plays break down.
1: Hmm. I guess in terms of betting for the Champions Cup, this is probably the highest lens have been. I think their second favorite since the era when you did got win three out of out of four. Does it feel? A similar kind of vibe. Does it feel like you are close to kind of winning another big honour?
0: Yeah, I think that there is, you know, you, you can feel that that comparable to talent. As I said, coming through, um, but it's about winning now. Uh, there's been two seasons with kind of near near misses, so uh, you know that this year, um, you know, there's just got to be there's got to be silverware there at the end of it for I think for for this group to really kick on, and I've no doubt. I've no doubt there is trophies, but if you want there to be a lot of trophies with the group we have at the moment, there's got to there's got to be one that to come. You've got to get over the line somewhere. haven't yeah, you? you? just got Yeah, get Because once you get one, that they can mm. they can kind of come. You know, I think you had when Cheka came in in two thousand and seven, or the year, the season before that, we won the league. Two thousand eight, we won that league. Won, 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 no, the, that league. Really won, won the league one. in two thousand. Aid and it was the first bit of silverware mm-hmm. in a few years, and then boom, the the Heineken Cup came the following mm-hmm. year, and then a, a near loss in a Heineken semi the following year, kind of due to injuries, and then Joe Schmidt came in and took over, and it was just trophy after trophy. So, mm. um, you know, the, there's been so many talented groups in lots of different clubs in lots of different test teams, um, even that Irish test team that only won you know a few triple crowns, mm. um, before that Grand Slam year, but. Yeah. You just got to get over the line for 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 a big trophy, and then sometimes it can. Um, it can Spurs, young, it. you get a bit of confidence from it as well. I think people it's like a bit of a downer. You effect. need something. You need something to go. Like
2: I think it's almost to sort of solidify in, in the group's mind or in your own mind that you belong at the top table and that you can get across the line in in, in the tight ones because you'll need to do that over the course of a of a competition. Now I would say like and I, and I would caution a bit of you know I, I, sorry, I just be cautious enough about. You know, reading into maybe, you know, Leinster being favourites so far. I think they've looked unbelievably... Second favourites. Second favourites, excuse me. Um, I think the group looks really, really good. A load of guys playing really good rugby. Um, I think they've got, personally, I'm watching from a distance now. I'm obviously a Leinster supporter, but I'm putting my neutral hat on. I think they've got a few things I think they need to get a little bit better at. I thought uh, Glasgow was, was a brilliant performance. I was really pleased with that one as a, as a supporter. Um, I thought defensively we looked, like, way better. And... Um, due to, to our man here, was a, was a big influence there. Um, and I think that's an area where I feel like they need to get a little bit better. But I think that they've got really, two really tough fixtures against Exeter coming up who are a superb side. I mean, if you saw that so match, underrated, did I you think, see them so. against Montpellier? Yeah. Like, they were they looked really, really good. So there's two huge challenges there. And I think we'll find out quite a bit about how, how far along Leinster have come um, by watching that. And I think, like, as well, Montpellier away are very, very tough. I mean, that was an unbelievable performance by Exeter um but Glasgow, like they won't be afraid to come to Dublin uh, as well, so like th- this is a really tough group to get out of and it's great like i I actually agree I think Leinster looked really good to start, but I think they're still you know, I'm sure you'll agree Fergie there's a journey to go on like it's start it's the start of the season um and I think they've got off to a great start lots of new guys coming in and out of the group and it hasn't seemed to to affect them a great win against Ulster as well uh, away from home, which is a really tough place to go, so they look like they're in a really good place, but I just think maybe I'm just I don't want to build them up too much as a supporter, but trying to put my neutral hat on, I think there's some really difficult fixtures coming up. Do you think would you think the same, Fergie?
0: Yeah, I think um listen the the extra back to back um yeah. fixtures are is basically the fulcrum of our season. Yeah. Um you know we, we've got we've got to win those or or else come out on top in the two fixtures points wise. Mm-hmm. So um you know and as you said even you know once you get over the the hump of them hopefully um they go well for us. You do have a uh, a very ambitious um, Glasgow team. No matter where they go, mm. coming that'll be definitely looking for a scalp, even if they're out of the competition yeah. uh, in Dublin. Um, and then a Montpellier side that never um, lay down at home. Uh, they they always put on a performance for their home fans, and they're a completely different outfit over there. So uh, yeah, they'll be listen. It's it's just a I think it's possibly the toughest group. Um, I think it is the toughest group.
2: Yeah, I actually do think it is the toughest. I think every team there can, you know, if they put, if they play really really well, they have a chance to win. I, you know. Obviously, you go out to target every game to win.
1: But does it get to a stage in the Champions Cup where you guys discuss permutations, as in oh, one point here? Is, is enough if we're you know down by ten points for a minute? Coaches to go. are
2: different with that. Some setups are different. Some people like to discuss it. Joe was always, like he he was pretty good at that. He would say, "Look, we need to, this is what we need to get across mm. the line." He's very analytical. He has that kind of mind for that. And I'm sure. I mean, obviously, it'd be interesting your Ferg's take on
0: on the setup at the moment. I'm sure Leo would be quite similar to that, wouldn't he? I definitely think Joe is like that anyway. But um, I suppose that there hasn't really been um, scenarios in the past few seasons where one of the coaches has had mm. to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really know if they would. Um, mentioned those permutations or whatever, but I personally think they're a good thing, and listen, you'd be uh, stupid as a coach to to think, oh, I won't say it, because I don't want them to think it, all the players know it anyway. Morgan yeah. Parrott yeah. taking yeah. a quick tap in front they're of the post a, two yeah. years ago yeah. and they just <laughs> need to take a penalty. The yeah. the, listen, the majority of the players are all talking about this stuff over lunch and we're living, the game is is, is our life and we want to win trophies, so yeah. it's about all those, what we hear about all these things, we're talking about all the different uh, situations so um you know I think it's 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 definitely something you should keep the player players in the loop about leading into matches where the losing bonus points and all the rest count because you know as you said there you've got the likes of you know a Morgan power that does takes a quick tap and doesn't realize that all they need is three points stuff like that can just kill you and it can end up losing your competition mm well Fergus thanks so much for coming in and best of luck for the rest of the season
1: thanks for coming in Fergie Cheers, to see you my man that's all we have time for in the left wing this week thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with another podcast but in the meantime you can subscribe to the show on iTunes Soundcloud or independent.ie so until next week thanks for listening and goodbye